Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you interested in angels, demons, spirits, ghosts, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, tales, and influence upon history and on the present day? If so, sit back, relax, and welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I started Southern Demonology back in 2017 at the encouragement of friends to share some of the interesting things I studied in college and in grad school and have subsequently ran across through the decades since then. And while it's been a ton of fun producing it, I treated it strictly as a hobby. Now that's not to say that I treated it lightly. I poured serious research into every topic I covered, and when I found an area that I was weakened, which there was a lot, I did shore up those areas. For example, listeners can easily tell when I learned about sound normalization and audacity. I even went against my personal preferences and learned how to do a better job at self-promotion. My own belief is that you should allow the final product to speak for itself. Yet, unfortunately, the world is not always that kind. And with an absolute ocean of content out there, I had to pick up marketing skills no matter how dirty I felt doing it. And just for the record, it was quite a bit. Yet, I think that in the back of my own head, I was my own worst enemy. By treating SD as a hobby, I was saying to myself that it's okay if it doesn't take off, as I just didn't give it my all. Yet in spite of this fact, the podcast has been growing, much more than I ever thought possible when I started this venture. And so I became determined that starting this year, Southern demonology would no longer be just a hobby. I throw my heart and soul into my day job, and I tirelessly strive to advance my career as an architect, programmer, and mentor. So why not do the same here? And so for the past few months, I have done just that. The time has been filled with constant work on the podcast. First to go was the infrequent episode releases. I'm proud to say that this is the third episode to release on time on Mondays. Next, I had to increase my workflow. 
before I had to render the video of the episode for YouTube, manually add the entry to my own website, and then do the necessary rounds on social media to promote it. Yet, by switching to Acast, my new uh, podcast distributor, I'm now able to automate all of that in one fell swoop, which saves me hours. Third, I had to get the episodes to sound better. First to go was Audacity, which was replaced with Adobe Audition. And though I'm still not an expert, I'm now using auto gates, equalizers, and limiters to name just a few of the features. But then came a realization. When I interviewed Victor, the third and last part of that interview will follow right after this update, I promise. One thing became painfully obvious. He sounded amazing, while I sounded this side of garbage. Now, I will freely admit, there's only so much that I can do with a voice like mine. But I could at least do a lot more. So I ditched the venerable snowball mic that I've been using since the very beginning. And after doing some research, I bought a much improved one, the Shure MV7. It arrived yesterday, and that is what you are hearing me speak through right now. I'm very proud to announce that since beginning these improvements, the reach of Southern Demonology has vastly improved. For the very first time, the podcast received 2,000 plays for the month of March, the first time that's ever happened. And that's with missing six days of data. I also invested in TubeBuddy to help me with better SEO on YouTube. And we've gotten our first thousand views there. Lastly, we have our very first Patreon subscriber. And to commemorate the event, I've launched a brand new tier in Patreon where you can support the cast for only $3 a month. If you would like to add your name to the list, please go to patreon.com slash southerndemonology. The link is also in the description. And before I cut to the last part of Victor's interview, please check out the website at southerndemonology.com where you can find links to our Discord, Patreon, play all the episodes, and find out the six simple steps you can do to help out the podcast. As always, Thank you so much for listening and sticking with me as I try my damnedest to bring a much better product to you. With all of that out of the way, let's listen to Victor tell the tale of Magda, the third in the series I have called Tales of the Perfectly Possessed. The third one is a different kind of story. The first two I find tragic. Uh, this one I find, since I don't really know what the final outcome was, even though I didn't know that with Gloria, I find it much sadder and much, much less clear. I was working in a medical ICU, which is not a great fun place to work because you end up with these patients who have really, really complex medical issues that go on for years. And I could not imagine. Oh, yeah. They're very, it's a very painful kind of place to work. But anyway, I was taking care of a girl and I'm going to give her the name Magda because I don't remember her actual name. Magda had something, some sort of, variant of lupus, probably also with other autoimmune diseases. If you talk to other nurses or doctors, you will find that there are these patients for whom they don't really know exactly what's wrong. They don't necessarily have a name for what the problem with that person is. Right. 
but still they're very, very, very sick. So they end up treating them the best they can from similar illnesses and treating symptoms and trying to keep lab values as close to normal as possible, fixing, you know, treating bed sores when they happen, treating broken bones when they happen. But they did not know exactly what was wrong with Magda. But Magda was about 25. She was more or less helpless. She couldn't walk. She couldn't get up into a chair without people just picking her up and putting her in the chair. And then she couldn't stay in that chair very long without her blood pressure changing dramatically. Of course, she was sometimes conscious and she would talk to you. And when she was, she was intelligent. She was capable of telling you her life experiences. She was capable of asking you questions, at least at the beginning. Magda mother, and I can see her face just so clearly, she was this little Dolores Umbridge looking woman <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> I, mean, I, she, I like that description. You know, she looked very much like Dolores Umbridge. She always had a Bible. And man, she was a fire and brimstone, get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push kind of person. So anytime someone knew was going to be taking care of Magda, she would come over and she would pray over you, lay hands on you. And, and not, we're not talking just a, you know, you know, dear Lord, please guide this person's actions, you know, so that my daughter may get better. We're talking five, 10 minutes of very serious, I don't mean to use the word negatively, holy roller kind of prayer. And that made some people extremely uncomfortable. I can only begin to imagine. I think that we, at least <laughs> I have met many a person like that. And yes, I have always walked away wishing I had never had that encounter. <laughs> was that? that was how just about everybody felt. Now, sometimes Magda would, there were various stages of consciousness that she would go into. Sometimes she would be in this kind of semi-conscious phase where she would babble and she would just make all these very unpleasant noise and, and she would kind of growl. And then sometimes she would more or less become comatose. And that could be, it could be several weeks while she was comatose. I did not like staying at the nurse station. You know, you're back behind this counter and you kind of look over it and try to see what's happening. So usually I would take a, a bedside table and I would put it outside the door of my sickest patient. And that way I could keep track on them, get up and see my other patients. I just felt more connected to the patients when I did that. Right. With Magda, when she would go into these comatose states, something very, very unsettling would happen. And that is that this helpless girl would occasionally, even in her comatose state, seem to become ridiculously strong to where she could reach out and shake the bed, making a lot of noises. You could go and see her. She once, actually twice, grabbed my arm to the point where I couldn't extract my arm from her hand without, you know, really, really trying and using my other hand to extract it, leaving bruises. Painful. Now, someone's going to say yes, but, you know, she was having a, uh, an adrenaline rush. She didn't have enough muscle mass to create that much energy. Right. You've, you've got to have, if you're going to have incredibly strong muscles, you got to have some muscles to contract. And she really didn't have that. But the, the big thing was that when she was not in this sort of violent phase, her face would change. Sometimes she was intubated, meaning that she couldn't talk at all. And there would be, I could hear, I could hear this conversation going on between two disparate voices. One of them kind of seemed to be Magda's voice. And one of them was a voice that I had no idea what it was. If I had to categorize it, it was in that same realm of overlapping 
painful harmonics. And I would hear her, I would hear Magda's voice pretty clearly. The other voice, I don't know if it was a different language or if it was just said very unclearly or whatever, but, but Magda, when these sort of things would happen, she hated her mother. When she was, when she was conscious and her mother would leave, I mean, you're, you're talking 15 minutes of invective as soon as she walks out the, the door, you know, you can imagine, you know, that fucking bitch, God, I'm so glad she's gone. I'll be so happy when she's dead. You know, God, I hate her. This kind of thing. Now, that's not so unusual in a hospital. Uh, I mean, this is a very, very sick young girl uh, with a very, very dysfunctional relationship with her mother. Right. And nothing rare about that. Um, but there is something pretty rare about a comatose patient causing you to hear voice and looking in there and saying, my gosh, is she, is she able to talk around the cuff? What is this coming from? And then once again, you would hear these things, you know, of, you know, things about her mother. But at that point, it would also change to things about God and about Jesus saying things of, you know, Jesus is weak. Don't even think about asking Jesus for any help. You're not going to get it. You know, you're doomed. You're doomed. You're doomed. She was very concerned about her, the fact that she was a 25-year-old person who probably, as far as I could see, had never had any uh, sexual experiences. And you, you would hear things like, like, I'll never get laid. I'll never get laid. Now, JJ, the problem is when you're hearing these things, the first thing you're thinking is not one of Magda's making those noises. The first thing you're thinking is what the... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What the hell's wrong with me? You know, why am I hearing these things? And, and so I would go and get other nurses. Hey, you know, Marge, come and stand, come and stand right here. Just be quiet and listen. And tell me what you hear. So Marge would stand there and there would be, she'd stand there quietly for a minute. And by about 90 seconds in, she'd be looking at me like, look, you're wasting my time. I don't know why I'm here. I don't want to be here. All I hear is the ventilator. All I hear is the, the click of the IV pump. All I hear is the sound of the chest tubes in the other rooms. She, you know, all I hear are the, the beeps of the monitor, this kind of thing. She didn't, other people didn't hear these things. Now, I thought about why. Perhaps I'm crazy. <laughs> You know, you know, perhaps I really did kind of slip into some situation, but I seem to be able to do the rest of my life just fine. Finally, Magda changed. She stopped being the demure, quiet girl when her mother was around and the angry person when her mother was gone. And she started being this very, very angry, crystalline person who seemed to have attached to her the same sort of 
insect nihility that the other patients seem to have attached to them or the other people seem to have attached to them. It became very, very, very frightening to be in Magda's room. Now, there was nothing like drawers opening by themselves or things moving across the room or you know a 10 degree temperature drop. It was just that feeling of insect nihility. Right. And when you looked in Magda's eyes, there crystalline indifference, I, I guess is the term I would use. And if it, that's the best you got, the worst you got was crystalline hatred looking at you. Now, for some reason, I was the nurse you preferred taking care of her. Sometimes I would ask for other assignments because I just got exhausted taking care of Magda. Right. And then she would spend the entire shift, if she were in her alert state, screaming, you know, bring him back, bring him back, bring him back. And sooner or later, just in order to quiet the unit down, a lot of times they would switch my assignment back to her. That was the state that I remember Magda being in when I finally was, by my own request, transferred out of that unit. There was no indication that Magda was going to die anytime soon. There was no indication that she was going to get better anytime soon. She was in this state of, we can keep her body alive. We can manage the symptoms such that she's probably not going to die. Her life is certainly not going to be good, but she's going to be here for a long time. And I just couldn't imagine myself taking care of her for many, many more months. It was, it was exhausting. It was painful. It was a situation where no matter, no matter what I did, it was more or less useless. She seemed to hate me. <laughs> I hate <laughs> or they you. Think, Yes, at the end, I was, like I said, I mean, looking in her eyes when she would enter that particular state, you know, that was the state of insect nihility. And I don't think when a person is in that state, they're able to, to feel anything but hatred toward anybody else. True. So once you noticed that this change had come about, mm -hmm. did she have like increased periods of lucidity or was it still about the same no matter what her condition was there were increased periods of of lucidity okay she spent less time in the comatose state and more time in the well i guess you could call it the native magda state to where she was you know almost you know essentially a, a pleasant very ill young girl when you know when she was awake that would switch to a person who utterly hated her mother when her mother would would leave to i mean there's so i guess third state would be the comatose disembodied painful high harmonic voices mm -hmm. and the fourth state was the closest thing i ever saw to i guess what you would call a Reagan mcneil now she wasn't she wasn't floating she wasn't you know aiming projectile vomit or anything like that but she was very very frightening Wow, I mean, that honestly sounds like you saw the beginning of a perfect possession. Yeah, yeah. She, she was not in the same. She sure, I don't think she was there yet. Now, I, I will tell you a theory I've had, though. As far as perfect possession goes, I've wondered, you know, I don't personally believe there are such things as ghosts, you know, human ghosts. To me, the, the Bible doesn't give you that option. You know, it's pointed to man wants to die and then the judgment. Doesn't give you any more options. That doesn't give you an option of sticking around as a ghost. So whatever we perceive as ghosts, and people do, that's something that's never been human. Maybe a demon. I don't know what it is. But could such a, an entity make a deal with Magda? You're in great pain. Maybe I can help you feel less pain. You hate your mother. Maybe I can give you some power over your mother. Your, your life is one of constant misery. 
maybe I can do something to eliminate some of that misery. All I need for doing so is the ownership of your soul and will. Why would it be so incredibly out of context for someone in Magda's state to accept that deal? Oh, it, it would be perfectly in line. And in fact, there's a lot of stories of people, you know, willing to bet their souls. There was even a, a chilling Art Bell episode where he just took calls from people that had made a deal, they had said. And it was one of the most chilling things that I have heard. Just the sheer amount of selfishness, like being like overwhelming the airwaves during that one little show was amazing. But if you think about it, you're you're a young lady, right? Just a young person in general, in mm -hmm. terrific amounts of pain. You're going to have nothing but doors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I I believe. Look, JJ. I don't know how, you know, the, one of the funniest things I ever hear on these paranormal talk shows is now we're going to go talk to an expert concerning Bigfoot or, you know, perfect possession. There are no experts concerning these things. No. Nope. In fact, when it, come, when it comes to the realm of the middle plateau, uh, there's, there's nothing but questions because no one knows anything. I mean, no one I certainly anything. don't. I, I know I would never pretend to. So. <laughs> well, and I don't know anything. I, like I've said, I'm not a, there's nothing scientific about any of this. There's not even anything, you know, that meets the criterion of proper observational science, you know, where you're, where you're documenting things. It's just one person seeing things that seem to be so far out of the realm of what their normal life was that they committed them to memory and tried to figure out what they were and experienced some pain while they were happening. We have just about ran out of time. Okay. I do want to thank you just for sharing all of this because I know it's not been the easiest of things, but the fact that you were willing to do that, uh, it really does mean the world. And I know that there's more to talk about. Uh, you even have a, uh, a connection with a friend that had a conversation with uh, Father Martin while he was mm -hmm. alive. I want to be able to get to, uh, to uh, all of these different topics, but I think we would have to make this because already this is going to be a two-parter. I can already. Okay. Tell. Well, that's a, future, that's a future time. And I got to tell you, I mean, I appreciate you letting me tell these stories. Um, I have one of the things you learn to do in the ED is modulate your voice such that you don't frighten patients. Mm -hmm. you know, someone looks at you and says, okay, I can remember. I'm going to tell you one more story. It has nothing to do with demonic possession. Do you remember the, um, the TV show ER? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you remember the episode where the young man had spilled uh, hydrofluoric acid on his arm? No, I don't. And, okay, well, hydrofluoric acid, when you, when you spill it, when there's enough hydrofluoric acid on enough of your skin, it essentially totally compromises your, your, calcium, your calcium metabolism. And pretty soon your heart is not able to beat, nerve signals aren't able to be transmitted, and you're going to die. And even if they catch it relatively soon and start injecting calcium and rinsing that area off, there's still a good chance you're going to die. We had a patient like that, young man, 26, 27, family, working in the chemical industry there in Houston, spilled hydrofluoric acid all over his shirt, chest, arm, onto his right leg, his genitals. And it does cause burns, but we had pretty much taken care of the pain. We'd rinse it off, but there was nothing we could possibly do to keep that man alive. Nothing. He is... He would, within a few hours, die. And so you had to figure out, 
You're not, you're not, you're not going to say, he'd say, look at you and you'd say, hey, are you going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? What do you say? You, you know, you, you have to say things like, well, let me get Dr. Feldman and see what he says, which makes you feel cruel and like an idiot. And so I developed the skill of just saying, whatever his name was, John, I will be here throughout this entire event and I will do everything I can to keep you alive and to keep you going, which is not giving an answer at all. But the job was to keep my voice such that I wasn't helping him or making him panic more, try to calm him down to some degree. And I, I became good at it. Well, yeah, I mean, especially if you're frightened, you don't know exactly what's going on, at least having, you know, a bit of human compassion and connection can mean mm-hmm. all the difference in the world, I would imagine. Yeah. Anyway, I, I sure hope I've been useful to your show. I, 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 this has not been easy. It's not been as hard as I thought it would be. <laughs> and I, I attribute that to your, your skill at getting this kind of information from people. Oh, honestly, this was all your skill. I, I am a horrible interviewer. I've never claimed to be anything but. But no, I mean, honestly, and this is just, I know that we've dealt with some really hard topics that you, and you've had to unearth a good bit of, um, uh, of painful memories, but uh, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to spend time with you and hearing about some of these. And I can promise you, if you're up for it, we will definitely have you on again to uh, share some more information because it's been fantastic. I'm up for it. Give me a, give me a, give me a little while to rest. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I'm not part of your discord, but probably if I can, I'm sure I can figure out how to do it, but I probably should come up and do what you guys have to say. Yeah, please do. Uh, and this is for anybody. If you just go to southerndemonology.com at the very top of the screen, there is a join our discord link. Uh, <laughs> you can click it and you'll be taken right over to us. Thank well, you, JJ. It has been it has been, I'm not going to say pleasurable talking to you, but because of what we were talking about. Honestly, but, no one has ever said, oh, it's a pleasure talking to you and actually mean it with me. So, I mean, <laughs> don't worry about that. But I'm sure there are things we could talk about that I would find very pleasurable to talk about. Um, Absolutely. Anyway. All right. Take care, sir. Well, this was, uh, this has been Victor, uh, an absolutely phenomenal person. Look forward to his Baylor Trash Genius episodes when they come out for his new podcast. And uh, we are actually redesigning the, the webpage and uh, there will be a link to his show there uh, once it is released. So Victor, as always, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, JJ. Thank you for listening to Southern Demonology. Find us online at southerndemonology.com where you can find all of our social and podcasting links. Also, if you have a moment, please feel free to rate this podcast and leave any encouraging feedbacks that you may have. As always, I am JJ and it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.